Hello and welcome to the Shape of Work, a podcast series by Springworks. My name is Anoop and I am your host. Each week we'll be talking to top people managers across the world on the future of work and how it's shaping our workplace. So sit back and get ready to find out more from these movers and shakers as we have a no holds barred anything goes conversation with them about their journey, their insights, their thoughts, and most importantly their ideas and vision for the workplace of the future. Join in on the conversation. Leave a comment and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Our guest today on the Shape of Work podcast is Apeksha Atal, a biology student turned strategic advisor. She is currently working at Neo Solutions. Having a desire to build strong organizations and bring a cultural change in them, Apeksha talks about the necessity to redefine inclusion in the new normal. She also explains the challenges that HR faces in the remote work environment and ways to make remote work more effective. Welcome to the show, Apeksha. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for inviting me and for that wonderful introduction. I'm very excited to be here. Our privilege. We are definitely privileged to have you on the show. And now let's talk to Apeksha and find out more on how things happen. So we've seen that okay, she's had a varied exposure. Let's try and understand. Apeksha, we have seen that okay, there is a lot of uh, areas that you've just touched upon. And also, we also see that uh, you have graduated uh, as a Bachelor of Science from Carnegie Mellon University. You studied, bio- you studied biology and English. And how was your experience? Uh, and what made you move from pursuing from science to journalism and from journalism to HR and now becoming a strategic advisor to a firm? So that's an excellent question. Um, I think it's one that I get asked a lot when people take a look at my you know, education background and they see where I am today. It doesn't quite add up. So I often have to explain myself and I'd be more than happy to do so here. Um, so I actually wanted to like rewind a little bit just to kind of look at like the root of where my interests came from. I really think that my career prospects evolved as I was exposed to more and more subjects. So throughout school and college, I was constantly picturing what it would be like to take knowledge from the classroom out into the real world and make an impact on society. So, you know, going back to middle school, I wanted to be an artist and then soon after a lawyer. By the time I got to graduating high school, I wanted to be a doctor. So that was the mentality that uh, pushed me to pursue biology at Carnegie Mellon. And I was really blessed that Carnegie Mellon is a very technical university. So while I was there, I had a chance to dig very deep into biology and understand what about it was you know, clicking with me and what didn't quite gel. And what I really quickly realized was that science alone was not quite, um, you know, enough for me. I wanted to do something a little bit more interdisciplinary. So I, you know, went across the the lawn to the English department and asked if I could pursue an additional major. Um, And that really was amazing because I was able to engage in the analysis and discussion from an English perspective, as well as from a biology perspective. And that just really made my college experience, I think, a lot more holistic. Um, But what's really interesting about my time in college is that I actually spent a lot of time in clubs and extracurriculars. So this includes like, you know, being an editor for the school paper, um, being involved in student government, tutoring, uh, our orientation program, research, et cetera, et cetera. So I really think I used college as a time to learn about how to work with different kinds of people in different kinds of settings. And, uh, you know, I walked out feeling like, this was it. So more than my academic interests, I think my extracurriculars kind of informed the way I pursued my career after college. 
Uh, the journalism stint was brief. It was mainly based in college. And then I also um, did an internship in Thailand with Chiang Mai City Life magazine. Uh, and that was an opportunity for me to help me find my voice. Um, you know, my job is very centered around communication. So uh, being able to understand how to piece together important messaging and, you know, understand the content creation process, that was really, really important to me. Um, and it's very much a part of the job that I do today as well. It taught me about time management, people management, project management. Um, you know, there was a lot that I got from my college experience and journalism experience that I carry today. Now, in terms of HR, uh, it wasn't quite an accident, but it definitely wasn't the immediate plan. Uh, as I joined NEO and, you know, was progressing through the through my journey there, it, it really felt like a natural progression in accordance with my interests and, you know, the way my role itself was blossoming. So uh, fun fact, I actually started NEO in the marketing department. Yes. And uh, while I was doing marketing, I was doing a lot of content and uh, ideation Then I left to pursue Fulbright. And when I came back, I had a chance to work with uh, directly with the founder's office. And that gave me the opportunity to work with a whole range of verticals up close, like on a project to project basis. And when I got to HR, it felt like a very natural fit. Um, in many ways, the goals of HR lined up with some of my personal interests, like working with people, getting organized, you know, applying creativity and problem solving. And as I get more and more involved every single day, I'm really enjoying all the challenges and learnings that are coming every step of the way. Okay, excellent. So uh, I'm sure hearing you, I think you uh, experienced the best out of your college and then made the best use of your uh, college days. And not only that, after you came out from the college, you got an opportunity to work in different uh, domains and then working very closely with the uh, key members of the organization. I think definitely have given you a lot of exposure and then also gave you an opportunity to uh, Uh, utilize the skills that you developed uh, during your college days and then the exposure that you had. Absolutely. So when I'm just, yeah, when I'm just looking at your uh, profile uh, picture, also, there is something that uh, the IND was very much uh, uh, that caught up my uh, my attention. Okay, so we also spoke about uh, the inclusion and diversity, right? So what's your thought on uh, IND? And then what do you think about the pandemic effect? So has it been a boon to inclusion and diversity or has it made uh, the situation worse? Yes, yeah, so this is a very important topic that uh, recently I've been engaging more and more with from a research perspective and applying it to my own organization. And I think it's really important to keep in mind that diversity um, is a numbers game and inclusion is the actual action that you can take to make diversity effective. So before people used to say DNI, DNI, and now increasingly you will see IND written. Um, and that's kind of front loading the inclusion bit. Uh, so that people know that that's where the impact comes. That's where we need to emphasize uh, attention so that diversity doesn't go, you know, just unacted upon. So inclusion and diversity in my mind are imperative for a business to reach its full potential from a lot of different perspectives. Uh, at the surface level, it helps businesses perform better. And there have been plenty of studies from leading consulting agencies and organizations around the world that have shown the performance difference between more diverse organizations and their peers. Um, and then on the next level, I mean, aside from business performance, which of course is important, but equally important is the relationships between employees. Right, um, I really think that our lives become 
much, much richer when you're exposed to a variety of experiences, things that are different, um, that helps you learn and grow. And if you are in an industry like fintech, for example, that is evolving very quickly, you need to be innovative and creative. And diversity and diversity of thought encourages both innovation and creativity. So I think IND takes a lot of different forms, um, but it's very, very important for companies to take a look at where they currently stand and uh, where they want to be and using objective analysis and talking to their employees. I've seen so many situations where companies, you know, look at their peers and they say, okay, I need to get to a 50-50 gender ratio. I need to create programming for, you know, X, Y, and Z employee demographics, but they don't really look at where they're starting. And so things kind of fall through right off the bat. So I think being very realistic and practical is the key to actually doing uh, sustainable IND programming at a company. That being said, like coming back to the pandemic, I think it's had a very interesting impact on IND. I've read a few studies lately that some companies have actually been investing less in their IND programming because they're trying to focus on more quote unquote essential business functions. Um, but I've also read on the other side that there are companies that are trying their best to consider the breadth of employee circumstance they have under their responsibility and like become more inclusive. So there's a whole spectrum of uh, engagement from an IND perspective that organizations are operating within. But I think that there are circumstances that the pandemic has brought upon us that we can actually take to our advantage uh, to further and promote IND. So for example, those who are able to right now are working from home, right? Especially for a lot of companies that are mostly tech-based. So while this means that I can't like interact with my peers as often, it does mean that my interactions with my peers are not limited to geographic location. Right. So if my company has the ability to, you know, set me up in meetings with people from different parts of the country or different parts of the world, that's your opportunity to help develop and foster relationships um, in a very meaningful way. Because I think relationships really come from proximity and frequency of meetings. So, you know, this is a tool that we can use to actually do that and maybe even reach out to people who are not um, usually connected in meaningful ways. I also think virtual meetings can be used to bring more people into a room. So, so often, like, important meetings are limited by the size or capacity of an auditorium or a conference room, but this way you can bring more voices into crucial meetings, crucial conversations, um, and, you know, develop all these different ways to engage you through like a chat option or even just, you know, spotlighting someone to speak. So it's a really powerful tool. And I, I mean, I really hope that companies are putting this into practice. I know we've been trying to do that at NEO at least. Making a sweeping statement about the pandemic improving or worsening the IND landscape is difficult to make, to be very honest, but I can definitely say that opportunities have opened up that can be easily integrated into a lot of what we're already doing to adapt to the pandemic. So like I just said, working from home can be used to engaging with IND people all over the world. Of course, uh, in general, employee engagement has been a huge challenge for organizations the world over. Uh, and I think those who are able to intentionally focus their energy on inclusive programming, in addition to other sorts of adaptations, are the ones that are going to reap the benefits in the long run. Yeah, so very well said, Apiksha, especially during the pandemic and then the way that all of us are sitting at home and then working these days. You rightly said that, okay, building a relationship matters a lot and then that happens only with frequent uh, meetings. So uh, again, uh, the strong belief is that how best we can use the technology and make things happen is the key. So it's it's a very well said uh, from your side. So now that, uh, why, why do you think uh, or, or I can just put it across this way. What do you think is the most challenging job for the HR in the new normal? Uh, 
is it designing and implementing strategies or engaging with the employees so 100% i don't need to think about that too long engagement is the top challenge um i think every hr professional i've spoken to over the past year has said the exact same thing uh interestingly designing and implementing strategies is almost easier because collaboration is more accessible when we're working from home of course like human elements of being able to like get into a room and brainstorm and collaborate are are lost but there are some replacements that come pretty close to emulating that sort of environment engagement on the other hand is really dependent on showing up and bringing in energy. I think the whole point of engagement is just to kind of create connections between uh employees and the entity that is the company making it feel like a community, making it feel like something bigger than just, you know, getting onto your computer and uh you know doing your work for the day. In person that's a lot easier to emulate. You can, you know, walk up to people, you can remind them of important things without like just, you know, emails. You can attract attention by like having people gather in an office space. Now we're really reliant on emails and calendar invites to inform people about opportunities to engage. So, you know, if someone doesn't log on for a day, they lose that contact, which is upsetting. Um we've really do our, done our best to use regular surveys, um, you know, team building competitions, guest speaking events, etc. to bring the team together, but uh I think I can speak for a lot of HR professionals saying that we're really right. experimenting constantly to create something that compares to an in-person engagement event. okay really interesting because that definitely matters a lot for uh, keeping the people bonded together and then especially during these uh, remote working stages it's people have got a sense of telling that okay at least during the office days we used we had a chance to talk to each other in person or see each other and then have some fun in the offices right. and uh, but these days uh, being working remotely and then how technology can be used to just make this things happen is really the key and then you very well said it that how exactly it can be it can make happen make things happen right okay so so we have seen that okay you worked in different geo locations like what you mentioned uh, earlier and then we know from your profile that you worked uh, in place in thailand and in india how different the prospects for human capital and what advantages you think india has over other countries and vice versa so um my work in thailand wasn't quite human capital but it also wasn't not human capital um so i my job was basically to work with the, the grantees of the incoming fulbright cohort and guide them through their first few months in the program so my responsibilities were actually quite similar to what i do today i managed day to day queries maintained regular communication planned meetings and conferences checked in with them often sent instructions on you know important documents to complete and everything so I was essentially I guess managing human capital within a project. Um and the work environment I encountered throughout my time in Thailand was very much like operating within a family. I think that's just kind of anyone who's been to Thailand can probably echo what I've said. Um I worked at pretty small teams while I was there um when I was in Chiang Mai and Bangkok and Nakhon Sitamarat and the sense of kinship between us I think really drove us through our work. So it wasn't really uncommon in Thailand to call um others within the company p which is what you call like an older brother or sister or nong which is a younger brother or sister so everyone was really looking out for each other um and i i suspect that mnc's and more large scale corporations in thailand are probably a little bit more formal maybe have different sets of cultural norms but my experiences were always very warm and supportive um there's also a saying in thailand people say like sabai sabai which means kind of like relax take it easy so okay. i i think like the you know the ease of life you know people are people people live and work kind of separately like that intermingling is not as much of a i would say a prevalence as it is in india 
Um, I think in India, with our economy and markets growing and evolving so quickly, there's a real tendency to, you know, put pedal to metal and push yourself every single day, um, which is really powerful. Of course, it's important to work hard, but it also means that from an HR perspective, you have to pay special attention to the possibility of employee burnout. And I think that's a term that's been floating around for the past few years, just as we've become more and more virtual, even before the pandemic. But during the pandemic, that has just exacerbated beyond comprehension. So monitoring performance is really important, but stress, mental health, um, inter-employee relationships, and company culture are just so important to hone in on. Uh, And I think no matter where you are, human capital has immense potential as a vertical. What's really amazing is we're currently in the midst of a movement where HR is moving from being a support function to a dynamic business driver uh, in and of itself. And that's only possible through like creativity, analysis and attentiveness. So, I mean, like people analytics is becoming such a big part of human capital today. So even though in like pop culture, HR is viewed as kind of like a boring field, um, right. more and more often we're seeing in opportunities to make an impact on the lives our, of our employees by helping them grow uh, as people, peers, and as professionals. Yeah, yeah, right. So very well put across. And at least having spoken to you, at least I got a chance to learn Thai as a language. <laughs> <laughs> and at least I heard, I learned something called as uh, sabai, sabai, at least relax, relax. At least that's, that's something I got an opportunity to learn from you. Okay, good. So definitely, yes, now that uh, all of uh, many people are just working from remote, I think there, there was a pressing need to just uh, uh, have the business policies uh, change, right? So many businesses have adopted uh, flexible policies to allow employees to work from anywhere, work from remote, as well as uh, hybrid work models. What are your thoughts on such uh, modern policies? And do you believe they will be able to preserve the company's culture and productivity of uh, traditional uh, office jobs? So I'm a big fan of flexibility, uh, mostly because this gives opportunities to a whole range of talent to join a company, uh, be it a mother re-entering the workforce, a fresher from the other side of the country who maybe cannot, you know, uh, who doesn't feel comfortable traveling so far to join a company for the first time, or maybe even someone with a physical disability who really operates better from the comfort of their home. So It's commonly known from a business perspective that companies need to adapt to the times, right? Like in terms of strategy. But I think this also applies from a corporate perspective as well. Um, That being said, I think it's really important to remain structured in some ways. So if you're moving to a more work from home model um, and people are scattered around the country, you absolutely have to know how to stay organized, maintain some semblance of routine and responsibility. Uh, Along with that, you have to be able to communicate both effectively and frequently with your employees. So if you can do all of those things successfully, then I think you're well poised to take on a new kind of work model and maybe even increase your productivity within uh, with the increase in talent pool size. And, you know, the commute time is essentially erased because of, you know, the whole work from home situation. So I do think it's very possible if you have the correct structure in place. Um, That being said, I want to jump back to that note that we touched upon on engagement. It's really difficult to bring the same sense of community into a company where everyone is glaring at their screens all day. Uh, And building a culture entirely virtually requires a lot more intention and creativity than in than a physical office space would, especially for new joinees. Like we have people at Neo who we've never met because they joined during the pandemic. Uh, Even with all the technology that's been released over the past year, you know, which is intended to help us get closer together. Some things are just very hard to replace um, because after all, human beings at their core are social beings. So I do see 
culture can suffer quite a bit from a completely remote model, no matter what you do. And I know a lot of employees have just said to me, it's not even like within their teams. It's just being able to meet people from other teams. And, uh, you know, simulating casual conversation is not the easiest thing. People can't bump into each other online without scheduling something in advance. Uh, And for that reason, I guess I like the idea of a hybrid model for when things are a little bit safer, more people are vaccinated. Like marrying the aspects, the aspects of flexibility and community seem like a really good way to get the best of both worlds. And of course, if you're leasing an office space and using it only like 25% of the time, that's probably a different issue altogether. But if you can achieve some sort of, um, you know, meaningful hybrid model, I think that would be a great way to progress in the new normal. Okay, excellent. I think one of the points that I really liked was that you mentioned about uh, communicating effectively, effectively with the peers and then with your the, the colleagues, right? And yeah. and that communicating regularly is uh, the key there. So how effective the communication is and then how we can make things happen is the really key. That one is the takeaway that I had uh, uh, from this. Okay. So uh, now that we know that okay, there are many startups that are coming up, okay. and then how do you think startups are performing in this uh, hybrid model? Does this impact their sustainability? And if so, is it good or is it bad? What's your take on that? So if you take a look at just, I mean, not even going into like a very in-depth analysis, if I'm just like watching TV or scrolling the internet, it's very clear that a lot of new startups have actually come up during the pandemic or risen and improved. So just from that surface level view, it's safe to say that a lot of startups have been sustaining themselves quite well for the most part. Um, I think those startups that were prepared to make the shift to, you know, this new normal uh, work situation or, you know, mostly because of the nature of their business are the ones that we see standing tall today. And by nature, startups are quite nimble, right? So the work environment at a startup actually really reminds me of a quote from the founder of my alma mater, Andrew Carnegie, uh, which is, my heart is in the work. So I think that was very true among my peers in college, and it's very true at startups like Neo as well. So the size and type of work that startups consist of lend room to deep investment, ownership, and teamwork on the level of like almost every single employee. And if you're working in a mercurial marketplace, like you're used to problem solving and adapting, whether there's a pandemic or not. So while the pandemic, of course, I don't want to underplay that at all, like posed many unprecedented challenges, working from home was one particular challenge that started out difficult, but turned out to contribute positively to at least the productivity side of things. I know we started seeing everything sustaining itself quite well. And when we were in positions to open the office, that was not so much of a push because we were able to achieve similar numbers, if not better, from the comforts of our home. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, however, the excess exposure to technology makes employees prone to burnout. uh, Prone to burnout. So a lot of companies, not just startups, are really seeing the effect of this now, now that we're like more than a year into this and investing more and more into mental health programs for their employees. Right. If we continue with that trajectory, you know, really focus on balance, really focus on mental health, really focus on employees' needs and, you know, what is lacking and what needs to be made up for to bring balance into the new normal, I think sustainability is certainly within reach, not just for startups, but for larger organizations as well. Yeah, yeah, fine, fine, sure. Nice. That's nice to hear from you and then your uh, your varied exposure and then the information that you shared was definitely uh, quite helpful. We would love to just continue this talk, but uh, we are pressing on time and then we know that we have defined on some timelines. And then thank you so much for uh, sharing your insights. And then definitely this will help many in the industry and then looking at the perspective that every leader like you uh, looks at uh, things. And then there's a lot of learning for people again. 
and really appreciate your time and then I'm thankful to you to uh, take some time and then be a part of our uh, podcast series and we'll definitely keep in touch and then we'll just get back to you soon thank you so much for uh, being a part of our podcast podcast series yeah thank, thank you so much thank you so much uh, you know best of luck for your future podcast episodes i'm really excited to hear who else comes on the show and yes. you know i'm wishing that everyone on your side and everyone listening is safe uh and protected and that their families are all well and good sure sure thank you so much apiksha thank you stay safe take care bye bye thank you bye bye bye